right, you guys, welcome back to 35,000 Feet. I'm Alexa Jorgensen. And I'm Kylie Chen. And we just honestly had the best episode. We sat down with Lexi Alford. If you don't know who she is, you should. I'm a little jealous. Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) But at 21 years old, she was the youngest person to travel to every country in the world, all 196 of them. And I am so inspired. I thought I was well-traveled, but new definition of traveling. Literally so. Well, and this just happened back in June. So it's like so exciting, so fresh, so fun to hear about all of her experiences. And honestly, it's just... It's just wild. It blows my mind. <laughs> wow. I don't, we can't say anything more. Let's go. Let's, let's jump in. All right, you guys. I am here today with Lexi Alford. And she is going to tell us a little bit about kind of how she grew up, where she's from, um, and kind of how she got into the journey that she's in now, or I guess just finished. So go ahead and take it away. Hi, so I am Lexi, and I recently broke the world record for the youngest person to travel to every country. There are 196 countries that are recognized for this record, and I am 21 years old. I'm from Northern California, and I started traveling when I was really young with my family, who started a travel agency here 30 years ago. Wow. That's, okay, so tell me, like, was it like a lot of traveling when you were younger, or just like the normal like family yeah. vacation once a year? <laughs> no, it was, it was kind of a lot of, of traveling. My parents would take me out of school for... Three weeks at a time, a few times a year for my whole life. So during that time, I would be placed on independent study, and some of my cooler teachers would let me do school projects about the countries that I was traveling in. And yeah, yeah. So I stopped being able to travel a lot when I got to high school. And the the schedule was super strict, and I felt really like almost caged in high school. I became a really unhappy person, and ended up uh, graduating two years early by testing out of my classes, which is like a specialty program that is only in California. I graduated early, and then got a degree from my community college as fast as I could just so I could get back on the road again. I've known that I wanted to take a gap year since I was like 12 years old. So I started saving up, like (laughs) working all of these crazy random jobs my whole life, saving up to take a year off to travel. I wanted to take one year of not needing to work and just being able to go out and experience the world, the real world, outside of school, outside of the books, and to see what I was genuinely interested in because so many people just rush straight into college. And that is such a crazy financial obligation when you are a really young person. Like I've, I've spent traveling really similar amount of money that I would have spent getting like another degree from a, like a reputable school in California. That's crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> where 
Where did this idea come from? What was kind of like the timeline of it? Was that your plan from the beginning? Like, how did that all happen? Yeah, so I had traveled to around 70 countries by the time I turned 18. So that's all of the travel that I did with my family growing up. And when I turned 18, I got my associate's degree. So I, which is basically like your general college degree. If you want to go back to get a bachelor's, you have to choose the specific classes for your major and the career that you want to have. And being 18, I have no, I, I still don't have any idea what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I started asking myself, you know, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do from here? And the answer was always travel related. I really wanted to see more of how much is out there. and. That's, I remember coming back from one of the craziest trips, my first solo trip without my family, and I couldn't sleep one night, and I was counting how many countries I had been to in an attempt to fall asleep, and that's when I got to, like, 72. I was like, huh, I wonder if that's, like, an unusual amount of of travel (laughs) to have done at my age, and I... Googled the youngest person to travel to every country and saw that there was a Guinness World Record for it and that it was a 24-and-a-half-year-old man. And at that time, I still had like over six years before I would be 24, and I just knew the second I saw it that I would not be able to live with myself if I didn't try really hard to set that record. So flash forward, it's been two and a half years since the idea first came up. I thought of the idea in October 2016, and we've just been working on it nonstop, full-time ever since. That's honestly so wild. So I know, I feel like a lot of people out there, like when I talk to anybody about traveling who doesn't travel, they're like, oh, well, I don't travel because it's too expensive. And you kind of said from like a really young age, you'd been saving up. Is that how you kind of made that happen for you? Yes, 100%. So that's a discussion that I get into all the time with people is they have like this really self-limiting belief that they're never going to be able to afford to travel. And I, I can see how some people, some people's lifestyles are, it's really difficult for them to save money. But if you start telling yourself that you're never going to be able to do something, then you're not. So I personally still live at home with my family. So I don't have to pay rent, which has been a huge, huge part of being able to save is just keeping like all of your uh, like overhead, like your monthly expenses as low as you can possibly get. So I don't have, I don't have, you know, rent. I don't have a car payment. I don't have student debt. Those things have helped a lot. And there's a lot of ways to work on getting your phone bill lower, like keeping all of those, those monthly expenses down while also prioritizing money for travel over any of the material possessions that you might have, like an impulse to buy. Like I, my boyfriend's in LA, I'm in LA all the time and LA is 
especially a place where there are so many like beautiful clothes and things for your house. And it's like, you get really tempted, especially with like marketing and Instagram, especially Instagram marketing to want to buy all of these things that you actually really don't need when you could spend $40 on a shirt or it's $40 to rent a private boat for the day in the Philippines. It just really has a lot to do with like, how much do you want to prioritize travel in your life? Totally. I was going to say the same thing. I think anyone who thinks it's, it's all about the priority. Yes. If you, if they're like, oh, like I could either have a brand new car or they don't even think about the fact that it's like, wait, but that totals up to so much. Like your car works fine. It may not be beautiful or shiny, but like it works. You know, you don't need a new car. You could put that towards a trip, a lot of trips, you know, and it's really exactly. not as expensive as well as I think people think it is. Yeah, and I mean, traveling to every country can get really expensive. Some of the least, it's actually the least visited countries in the world that are the most expensive. But honestly, those are some of the countries that it would be, I mean, it's not not really places that normal people would ever end up. Yeah. Like a lot of countries in West and Central Africa, I didn't see tourists for like any any other foreigners for like weeks other than people working for like the UN or the World Food Bank but like Southeast Asia and Europe is a bit more expensive but you can do it on a shoestring budget Southeast Asia and Central America South America dirt cheap totally <laughs> I, I think the cheapest I've ever stayed in accommodation was in Guatemala in a hostel for $2. That's so how did you go about like planning this trip? Did you want each country to be like a meaningful, I mean, who knows, who's to say what's a meaningful stay? Like, I don't know. Were you just hopping and staying in a country for a day? Were you spending ample time in each place? Did it vary? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so this is actually something that I found some some travelers get really heated about because some people's style of travel is to stay in one place for like a month or however long to, you know, really deeply experience a culture. And then there's other travelers who are fine with just seeing a city for a day, like on a cruise ship or something. But for me, I like to stay as long as I can in uh, the places that I go to, of course. But there's two factors that, two or three factors that determined how long I stay in a country. The first one is personal interest. I stayed for a few weeks in Indonesia because I personally think that there's so much that I want to do there. But I only stayed in South Sudan for two days because if you look up what there is to do in South Sudan, there's really not a lot of things to like occupy yourself for that long unless you're doing something uh, like doing like volunteer work or finding something like that to do. So it really depended on what there is to see in the place my budget and also 
safety precautions. So in countries like South Sudan, Somalia, Afghanistan, Yemen, uh, Mali, Central African Republic, all of these more unstable countries, if you want to travel outside of the capital city, especially if you're alone as a woman, that's going to take some sort of security detail. You sometimes, I've, I, I hired an armored car in Somalia to, to take me to see these beautiful cave drawings out in the desert. And you have to stay in compounds that are like have 24-hour security around them, which are usually like $150 to $300 a night. Super expensive <laughs> to stay in these places safely so it really had a lot to do with that as well totally i mean that makes sense was there any strategy behind i mean obviously there must have been like what order you went in and like how did you go about that i mean i feel like most people are too overwhelmed by planning one trip let alone like (laughs) trying to see every country in the world so i'm so curious like how you went about that it was so hard (laughs) Uh, so I had a major advantage for this because my my mom is a travel agent. She owned, She's owned her travel agency for over 30 years. And she's honestly like a ninja. <laughs> we have like these computers that access like the same database that the airlines use to find the best flights and everything. And it just took so much research to to put it all together as far as like getting from one point to another. But I did it all in regions. So when I first started, my first trip was, I went back to Europe and was like, okay, I'll just try to hop around to all of the countries in Europe that I haven't been to yet. So I did that by like, trains and buses and planning around wasn't too hard because you didn't need any visas then went down to central america and then south america uh just kind of hitting all of the places intermittently that i hadn't been to and then over to like southeast asia mainland asia central asia south asia the south pacific islands i did with like australia and new zealand a surprising amount of little countries out in the South Pacific. Yeah. And then I took Africa in, like, chunks. (laughs) Traveling in some countries in Africa can be really (laughs) exhausting. So I think it took me, like, three, four trips to Africa to finish the countries that I hadn't been to there. (laughs) But, yeah, it's a process. (laughs) But I did it by region. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So did you go to all these places? Were you traveling alone? Were you traveling with people intermittently? So I did do a lot of it alone. Also, I tally up how many countries exactly I did by myself. I think it's around 50 or so countries. But honestly, I really love traveling with my friends and family more than being alone. It's just a different experience. I spent maybe seven or eight months traveling alone, and it's a really good experience. I couldn't recommend it 
more to everyone. I think that everyone needs to experience what it's like to be alone in a foreign place at some point in their lives. But I tried to talk my friends and my family, my cousins, any anyone that I possibly could convince to go on a trip with me to come because that that experience just bonds you for life. And there were so many experiences I had traveling alone that I don't have, like, I can't talk to anyone else about it because no one else is there. Totally. Well, and it makes the experience that much deeper because there's just like so many levels of like appreciation when you're sharing it with someone else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I started going to such weird places (laughs) that it was easier to convince my friends to go to, hey, like, do you want to go to Indonesia? Instead of being like... Hey, do you want to go to <laughs> Tunisia? It's just it's harder to talk someone into going somewhere that's that far off of the beaten path. Totally. Yeah. So I did. I did do a good amount of it by myself. That's so fun. Was there ever a point where you were like, "Uh, this sounded like a better idea than it really was"? Like, I can imagine that being kind of. Like, travel's so fun, but, like, we were kind of talking about, I think, before we started recording, like, it's exhausting, and, like, you're finally getting a minute Uh to just, like, be home. Like, was there kind of a sense of, like, did you ever think you weren't gonna finish it? Or were you always just kind of like, oh, no. (laughs) I mean, you still have a few years, too, which is nice, but, I mean, the younger you get it, the better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, there has been that element of, needing really wanting it to be finished as soon as as possible i love full-time travel doing this and having this job is amazing I i wouldn't trade it for any other life but it does get really exhausting and it's so funny too because People have zero sympathy for people that are tired from traveling. Yeah, true. But I've just been realizing that it's just been years since I've felt grounded or just, like, connected to one place. Like, having one place to come back to, to sleep in. I haven't slept in my bed in a really long time. (laughs) All of those little conveniences, like having a refrigerator or a clean shower, (laughs) having your own space, not having your own space for so long can be really uncomfortable. And it was the hardest uh, during... (laughs) the middle of doing Western Central Africa. That was the only time that I was thinking to myself, like, I can't do this. Like, I just want to go home. Um, It's not worth it. (laughs) But I just powered through and finished that and got to take a little bit of a break after that, which is nice. But, yeah, I've been pretty, pretty focused on on this over anything else in my life. (laughs) So didn't really have an option to stop. (laughs) What inspires you to travel? I think for everybody, it's something different. And I'm curious, like, what your inspiration is and why you love it so much. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it's 
It's not that I was ever really, like, inspired to travel. It was that it's just been a part of my life since before I can remember. Like, I, could, I can't even imagine life without <laughs> travel. For me, it's, like, the only way of life because it's what I've been so accustomed accustomed to for, for so long, and it just creates all of these amazing relationships and I feel like my life has become so colorful from traveling and that I get to experience life from such a unique point of view with all of the experiences and people that I've met and learned from uh, that I just couldn't even imagine (laughs) being without it. Totally. Well, I mean, that makes sense. If you've always just done that your whole life, then it's like, it doesn't even seem that crazy in the end. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just so normal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, all, it's just always been there. And it's always been what, I, what I've known that I was most passionate about. Totally. I'm sure you've told this a million times, but what was it like going to your last country? Like, what did that feel like? How did that all come together? It felt amazing. (laughs) It was just very surreal. It was a a bit disappointing that the last country I went to was North Korea. And I had been trying for two years to get around the U.S. travel ban that Trump imposed in 2017. But I even, I tried everything (laughs) to get into uh, the country. None of the tour operators would take an American. Then (laughs) that the United States would not be flexible with it at all either. So I had to go to the uh, DM inside the DMZ, which is the border from North and South Korea. There is a conference room that is directly on the demarcation line, which is the border. And if you enter the conference room from South Korea, you can walk across the border and be standing with North Korean soldiers and and technically have a step foot in North Korea. So it was a bit of a stretch, but since that was the only option that I had left, I was really happy that it was a possibility for me to go. I had tried to go in January to do this, and it was closed to civilians for six months. They didn't tell me until I actually got to the DMV. Oh, my gosh. So I, six months ago, was standing looking at the conference room that I needed to go to, but wasn't allowed in. Wait, that's wild. (laughs) It was just the most intense feeling of relief. That was the, if I had to describe it in a word, it would be relief (laughs) because... Just getting towards the end of breaking this record, it's just been all of my energy focused on this for so long. I'm so ready to go back to traveling in my own way to to places that I've missed so much. 
and having that freedom back in my life a bit. Yeah, no, I can totally imagine. I'm. It's actually kind of funny. I feel like it would almost be like, I don't know, like maybe take the fun out of it a little. I mean, obviously not. Like it's still fun that you get to go all those places. But yeah, like I could imagine that it took the fun out of it. Like where, I mean, you probably can't pick a favorite country, but like where do you want to go back to? Where do you want to spend more time? Like what place caught you off guard? I really love Pakistan. <laughs> that was probably the most surprising country for me that I was a bit nervous about going to beforehand. My my dad was really nervous for me to go there. And just going back and seeing how wrong everything you've ever heard about that country is. Totally. Like the sweetest people I have ever met in my life and they haven't had really any tourism development yet. And that means that all of the locals aren't, like, jaded towards tourists like they are in more over-visited places. Yeah. So they were really excited for you to be there. They wanted you to take their photos, wanted to take photos with you, wanted to hear about where you were from. They were just so curious about seeing foreigners, and the landscape was so beautiful. Like, I feel like I could spend so long in Pakistan. incredible I love that that's so fun I'm sad because it's already like our time to be done but I do have some like (laughs) final more I guess rapid fire questions yeah so first one what is the like wildest thing you ate on your journey giant African lamb snails (laughs) probably the worst thing I've ever ate really I don't even know what that is, but it sounds horrifying. <laughs> I really recommend Googling a photo of it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do that one. It's like done. a snail the size of your forearm. Oh my gosh. Nope. Pass. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Okay, what is something that you always have in your suitcase that's like something that's kind of more unique to you? Um, that's a good question. Um... Oh, I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> um, I I don't I don't go anywhere without my GoPro and my camera. <laughs> well, there you go. Those are great answers. What is something that is next on your bucket list? Whether that has to do with travel or with life, what does that look like? Mm, I have always wanted to do a meditation retreat in Japan. Ooh. I'll be going to Japan to record a the finale of a TV show that I've been co-hosting. So after after that, I'm going to go <laughs> finally get to do that. <laughs> I haven't been back to Japan in years, so I'm really excited to be there. That's so exciting. Wait, tell us, can you tell us more about this TV show situation? Yeah, yeah. So the TV show is really cool, actually. It's about, it's called Epic Exploring, and it's about exploring 20 of the world's most crazy abandoned places. So it shoots in 20 different locations around the world, and it's all about, yeah, like all of these forgotten places. I'm co-hosting it with 
two uh, pretty big abandoned YouTubers. One's exploring with Josh, and the other one's exploring with Cody on YouTube. And they have just completely found this whole niche of uh, going inside of abandoned hospitals, abandoned buildings, abandoned castles, all of these really interesting places. And our finale is going to be in Tsukushima. So cool. That sounds low-key haunted. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. But like in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the show will be airing in November on Insight TV. That's so exciting. I'm going to have to for yeah. sure watch. Well, yeah, thanks definitely. so much for chatting with me today. I guess my last question would be like, what would you, I think kind of like you said in the beginning, like so many people, I mean, all of us really like limit ourselves in our way of thinking and you kind of just set your mind to something and decided to do it. And like you were gonna commit whatever you needed to to make that happen. What advice would you give to people listening of like how to reach their goal, whether it's like travel-based, like going on the trip they've always dreamed of, or just like a life goal in general, like what would be your piece of advice for them? I would say that always remember that you can achieve anything that you set your mind to, regardless of how huge the obstacles are, and to just not look how far you have to go to reach your goal, but look down at your feet and do as much as you can to get a little bit closer to your goal every day rather than because if you look at the if you look too far ahead you're gonna get discouraged and not want to keep going but if you just take it one day at a time and do everything that you can that day to get to where you need to go eventually that that'd probably be my (laughs) my best advice I love that I love the whole just yeah looking down at your feet because if you look too far ahead then it seems unattainable Exactly. Just take it one day at a time. I love that. Well, thank you so much. It was so fun chatting. Thank you. I'm so excited to see all the other things that you do. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast made in partnership with Akinella Expeditions. Don't forget to listen in next week and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. That really helps boost the podcast so we can bring it to even more listeners. And we'll be coming to you from, who knows, our home in the United States or from 35,000 feet. Until next week, bye.